Hey everyone, welcome into the latest edition of the Postcast, production of the Casper Star Tribune and Post Authority. I am Davis Potter, Wyoming beat writer for the Star Tribune, and I'm joined by our managing editor and former Wyoming beatnik, Brandon Foster. Brandon, what's going on, man? Hey, Davis. Um, you know, just trying to figure out who the heck Wyoming is uh, going to play this week. <laughs> or next. Uh, yeah, next. Well, that answer is nobody this week. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, basketball, and then we'll also talk a little bit of football in the, in the second segment. Um, and as far as basketball goes, it's, you know, it has, for games not being played at all, it has still been a, a newsy week. And, <laughs> Um, you know, Wyoming's men's and women's teams both having their games canceled because of COVID issues within the opposing programs, uh, pro- program, I guess, uh, which is very weird because, uh, Wyoming's, the men's team anyway, has now had three series, conference series either postponed or canceled, uh, because of COVID issues, all that have been out of their control, which meaning they haven't had to cancel or postpone one because of, you know, their own issues within their program. So that's been a, I guess, a stroke of bad luck for them. But, um, while, mm-hmm. yeah, the Wyoming's men's series against San Jose State, which uh, was supposed to be played at, at home um, Thursday and Saturday, that that game w- or that series was canceled. And then the women's team actually added a non-conference game earlier in the week against uh, CSU Pueblo. And then that game – Ended up getting canceled just hours before they were supposed to play on Wednesday. Um, but Wyoming's men's team did get a couple more games added to the schedule as part of the Mountain West's uh, slate of, of makeup games, I guess you want to call it. Uh, you know, next week heading into the Mountain West tournament, um, Wyoming will play uh, basically splitting the difference between their first two series that were postponed against Utah State and UNLV. Uh, they'll play a single game at Utah State on Thursday and then play uh, UNLV at home next Saturday uh, to close out the regular season. At least, that's the schedule as of now. I mean, (laughs) obviously, this is all tentative. But, Brandon, we almost got through a full Wyoming basketball season without a 9 o'clock tip, and then (laughs) they throw throw the old 9 o'clock tip on CBS Sports Network uh, for that UNLV game next Saturday. So, um, literally, in that sense, they saved the worst for last. (laughs) Well, uh Anything for for that, you know, TV money. You gotta you gotta take it where you can get it. I guess so. I'm I'm glad I had my uh, pen and notebook out as you were going through all that. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to keep up with, man. Um, but yeah, so uh, again, assuming Wyoming's men's team actually plays its next game against Utah State on Thursday, mm-hmm. they'll go 13 games or 13 days in between games, and then the women's team does not have another game scheduled until the Mountain West tournament. Now. Uh, Gerald Madison, their, their coach, said that um, you know they may look at trying to add another non-conference game before then. But um, we sort of mentioned this last last week. But now they're they're looking as of now anyway. At the time we're recording this podcast on this uh, Thursday afternoon, they could uh, go almost a full month without playing until their next game in the Mountain West tournament. So um, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Yeah. The, yeah, I don't <laughs> envy uh, being in those shoes, but uh, that's kind of the reality that, you know, pretty much uh, any team in any sport is, is uh, if not dealing with this year, there's always that possibility. So, Yeah. Well, it does give us a chance to at least you know, recap because we haven't recorded a, a podcast since Walm actually wrapped up a series. The men's team wrapped up a series against New Mexico. So, um, you know, Wyoming actually pulled, did pull off its – 
second conference sweep of the, of the season and uh, had to do it sort of in in reverse fashion from the way they won that opener um, mm-hmm. last Wednesday where Wyoming, I mean, they, they came out, you know, guns blazing, uh, had a 27-point lead in the first half and watched New Mexico close that gap all the way to two in the second half. So uh, certainly got dicey for the Cowboys, but – um, ultimately they, they end that last game on a 12 to two run, uh, for an 83, 74 win. And, um, I mean, you knew, I mean, we've, we talked ad nauseum about, about their defense and some of their defensive inefficiencies. And you knew with such a young team that, you know, I mean, even Jeff Linder said, said a minute after the game, like, I mean, you, any team in that situation, let, let alone a young team, you get up 27 points, it's just, it's human nature, right? To just sort of take your foot off the gas. And mm-hmm. uh, you combine that with the fact that uh, you, you know that a young team like that's going to have some uh, defensive lapses. And, um, I mean, New Mexico got back within in that game really, really quick. I mean, they, they were up, Wyoming had that 27-point lead, I think, with about, Six or seven minutes left in the first half, if I remember correctly, and uh, you know New Mexico cut it to sixteen uh, at halftime. So I mean they did work there late in the second half, and then it sort of carried over there at the beginning of the second half. But got to give Wyoming's team and, and those young kids uh, credit for finishing the, the game the way the way they did, because that would have been that would have been just a dreadful loss. I mean, there's no way around it. You you consider you know what New Mexico's had to go through and and all their struggles, and then um, the fact that they had such a big lead. I mean, that that would have if New Mexico had pulled that off, it would have been the biggest comeback for a Mountain West team in conference play this season. And it might just might have just been overall. I know hmm. Colorado State came back from 26 down at San Diego State to beat them a few weeks back, but um, yeah, avoided disaster there with that with that win. Yeah, and I mean it. You know, feels uh, a little bit like you know you're watching a, a any any college basketball game, and sometimes the the narratives are obvious, and everyone knows uh, kind of what's going on, but you you still see it uh, play out and right in front of you, right? You know, you get up big, and the coach I'm sure says all the right things to the players. Hey, you got to play like it's zero zero, but it's really hard to actually go out there and do that. Um, and you know, I think especially when you're a young team, that just adds on top of it, um, the challenge to kind of the mental side of the game, right? To not look up at that scoreboard and even if it's a little bit subconscious, you know, take a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, comfort in that lead or whatever it may be rather than playing with the sense of urgency that gave you the 27-point 20, uh, uh, edge in the first place. So it's, uh, I mean, there are old teams that do this too. It's not just yeah. uh, inexperienced teams, but certainly when you're as young as this team is, it's not you know, kind of shocking, I guess, to see them have to go through it. But again, you know, it's it's nice to, I guess, learn a lesson in a game where you still get uh, a W out of it. And with everything that's, you know, like you mentioned, going on with the end of the year and, and losing games here and there, you know, it would, I think, make it all the the more uh, painful to not have uh, to to uh, have actually given up that lead and lost that game. I guess I should say. So yeah. at, at least they can hang their hat on that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think the area in which they won those games was rebounding, which is which is hard to believe. I mean, just considering how bad statistically Wyoming's been in that category. Uh, <laughs> and in those two games, you know, as, as suspect as the defense was at times, they had some good defensive stretches. But for them to only get out-rebounded by one, 
for that entire series and finished plus three on the glass in that in that series finale. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a New Mexico team that you know we we talked about even last week going into the series was the best offensive rebounding team in the conference coming in. And I want to say Wyoming finished on the plus side on the offensive end and rebounding margin. Uh, I, I might be mistaken on that. I have to go back and double check. But, I mean, you know, they more than held their own on the glass. And I think that's when the, where they won that series. I mean, you and, and Hunter Maldonado, who had a pulled down a career-high 16 rebounds in that series finale. You had Quan Marble, who pulled down a career-high 12 rebounds. Um, I don't know what Jeff Linder said to them before that series. I mean, I'm sure rebounding was emphasized, but, re- you know, that's something that's always emphasized uh, throughout the season. I mean, that's a very important part of basketball. It's one thing to play really good first-shot defense, but if you can't, mm-hmm. you know, if you can't rebound the misses and you give teams three or four looks on a possession, eventually they're going to score. Um, so for them to, to limit New Mexico the way that they did in that aspect, I think that might may just be a sign that, you know, th- this team is starting, you know, they've played enough games at this point. I mean, you, you know, we're a week away from the postseason. Um, you know, some things may just be click starting to click for them and realizing, you know, some of the effort and intensity that it does take, particularly on the defensive end, to to be a really good team in, the, in any conference, mm-hmm. let alone the Mount West. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we talked about this before, but the you know, just kind of like the psychology of, of playing a season right now has got to be crazy with, uh, you know, every single game you play, there's there's nobody in the stands watching you. There's, you know, there's no uh, element of, of yeah. home versus away really like usual. There's, you know, these schedule changes. You don't know day to day who you're going to play. And on top of everything, you know, you wouldn't be shocked if your season ended, you know, midway through January. I mean, I, I putting myself in the coach's shoes, imagine you just kind of got to, scrape for whatever little victories here and there you know moral or actual victories that you can find and you know to, to lose a game with a team uh that's had the kind of year that new mexico has had and to have um you know an l with against a team with that record would uh would take away one of those you know few positive things you're able to you know glean from the end of the season because you know who who knows what's going to happen even between now and and the and the tournament so you you got to take your wins where you can get them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's sort of unfortunate that they don't get to play San Jose State this year because mm-hmm. while, you know, Wyoming is not good enough right now to take anybody for granted, as we've seen throughout the conference season, and particularly in their last game where they almost blew that lead, uh, you know, that, that's a that was another very winnable uh, mm-hmm. series for them. Another series where they could have they could have pulled off another sweep potentially with that series being at home, and you know you ride a suddenly a four game winning streak into into the Mountain West tournament. You've got a, a wave of momentum. But um, speaking of next week, we mentioned um, Wyoming's rescheduled games against Utah State and um, UNLV. Brandon, I want to run through the entire list of games that have been rescheduled for next week in the Mountain West because mm-hmm. it, it's interesting because I know we've talked about it before, but um, you know, just in terms of how it could impact uh, particularly those those top four teams in the league, right, those NCAA tournament hopefuls, because there, there is not one game uh, that was rescheduled that pits those top four teams against each other. So these, these, you know, the San Diego States and Boise States and Utah States of the world, um, you know, they're all looking at potential landmines next week uh, in terms of their at-large resume. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, not only Wyoming going to Utah State, but, um, you know, Boise State 
is scheduled to host Fresno State. Um, you've got Colorado State scheduled to host New Mexico. Uh, San Diego State has to travel to UNLV. Um, Colorado State has to go to Nevada, which, I mean, if you're looking for a game um, outside of the Wyoming game that that might be entertaining, might be you know something to to watch if you're just a college basketball fan. That that might be one uh, you circle because Nevada is sort of this that fifth place team. But I think there's such a drop off between those top four teams this year and everybody else, and even Nevada's net ranking is in the hundreds. So I mean, even if Colorado State goes and wins that game, it's you know it's not really doing anything for their for their resume. I mean, I think that's that would be a, a quad two win, even maybe a quad three, uh, just depending on I don't know exactly where Nevada's ranked in the net rank, but I know it's in somewhere in the hundreds. So, um, and then Utah state also goes to Fresno state next week or is scheduled to, in addition to hosting Wyoming. So, I mean, I, I'm firmly in the camp of, you know, Hey, if you're just, if you're an NCAA tournament team, just go win these games. But again, I, I think it adds a little intrigue, you know, to this last week of the, of the regular season, because you know, you have not only Wyoming, but there are a lot of teams that could be playing spoiler uh, to these teams that hope to get uh, NCAA at large bursts. Yeah. And I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not actually sure if this was one of the outcomes that we had, we had discussed when we were talking about, you know, what are they going to do? Uh, as a conference with all these canceled series, um, I guess I, I wasn't sure whether they'd be willing to, you know, schedule one here, one there, as opposed to, you know, the, the two game series obviously limits travel. But I, I mean, you could argue, I guess this is a, is a more fair way to do it right rather than just uh, say, okay, uh, Wyoming, go play UNLV two games. But but yeah, to your point about the, the tournament hopeful teams, I mean, I guess on the flip side, if you had matched them up against one another, then you're ensuring, you know, that they each would take another L or at least half the teams would, you know. But, um, you know, like you said, now there's the, the risk of, of them losing to a, a team that they have no business losing to and, and screwing up their whole resume. So, I, I mean, I don't envy whoever is in charge of doing all this. Um of the scheduling but it does seem a little bit like you're playing with fire a, a bit not just in like you said the landmines of, of of the way you could screw up your your uh resume but also you know just uh if the you know you introduce more and more chances for covid outbreaks right before the tournament um the mountain west tournament or before the um ncaa tournament which i mean i'm not saying you shouldn't schedule them because of that but you know basically you're going to have a good team going to play a team that is not going to help their resume whatsoever and you know just slightly increase whatever percentage risk there is that uh they're gonna have four players in quarantine during the ncaa tournament whatever you know uh so there's there's that element um i mean on the one hand i i guess this this uncertainty gives conferences a little bit more of a chance to kind of, uh, you know, put their thumbs on the scale and say like, okay, let's boost our, our chances at, you know, getting as many teams into the big dance as possible. On the other hand, I mean, I think with as many variables as there are, and, um, you know, I, I wonder if that's maybe, maybe we, uh, think that that's a bigger factor than it is. Maybe they just say, Hey, let's do the most kind of fair and reasonable thing. And the thing that will work best logistically and leave it there rather than, you know, trying to uh, spruce up a resume too much. Yeah. Well, I don't know how much, even if it seems, you know, logical, logistic, I don't know how, how, how much logical stuff there is 
in terms of logistics this year, you know, with just how, yeah. you know, with all these outbreaks still happening. That, that I mean, to your point, I mean, that would be probably my biggest concern if I was one of these top four teams in the league right now is, yeah, I mean, not only is there a chance that I could suffer a crippling loss, but, yeah, if I go travel somewhere and, and somebody gets catches COVID and, you know, the rest of my roster is wiped out because of contact tracing, well, we're done for the NCAA tournament pretty much, which, mm-hmm. you know, just, I don't know. To me, it's it's still crazy that they're going to try to get all 11 or, yeah, all 11 teams down to Las Vegas to play the Mountain West tournament, which is still um, what they plan to do for the meantime, by the way. But you, you brought up a good point, too, just about, about I guess, the money um, which, you know, there, there's different reasons that the conference has decided to schedule these games in particular. Um, you know, one obviously being that they have to place so a certain amount of games to fulfill their TV contracts with CBS and Fox. And then also they, they want all, because not everybody in the league has played each other yet. Um, so they, you know, they even mentioned it in their mm-hmm. in their press releases they sent out earlier this week. Something about the integrity of of the conference season mm-hmm. and basically wanting to you know wing it where everybody plays everybody at least once, so that you, I guess you get more of a, a fair regular season conference champion. Um, yeah, whole thing's just interesting to me for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, there's so many kind of just different shades of gray here. I guess as far as yeah, fulfilling the TV contracts, uh, the question of you know, uh, the, you know, I I think I agree with what we're saying about you know you introduce more risk COVID wise, but it's like kind of a little bit of like, well, are you going to play or not, right? Once you commit to, to having a season and scheduling these games in the first place, you know, the logic is a little bit out the window when you start picking and choosing where you want to eliminate risk now that, you know, teams maybe have resumes that you like or whatever. So I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like a, a fun job to be doing all this stuff. That's for sure. I uh, It reminds me of these stories you used to hear about the MLB schedule which is, you know, obviously super crazy because there's 162 games. And, and for, like, decades, there was just, like, this couple, like this old man and woman who actually did all of it manually. Um, I think now it's a little bit more computerized. But um, I, don't, I don't know how anyone does this in any sport in a normal year, at least before computers. Uh, I certainly don't understand how that, you know, how you even begin to go about it during a pandemic. Right. Yeah, uh, and I, I, what what do you think about them just trying to make sure that uh, everybody plays each other once to try to, I guess, create a more fair and balanced regular se- or I guess more accurate regular season champion. Mm-hmm. I mean, to to me, I'm not. I don't. It doesn't really bother me, or I don't. I mean, I don't need all, all these teams have played like 14 or 16 conference games at this point. Like, I don't need to see San Diego State or. Uh, you know, Colorado State beat down New Mexico to <laughs> to know that you know the, yeah. that they're worthy of being conference or they're a you know conference um, championship caliber team when they sort of proved that throughout the course of the whole season. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I don't think you you know you have a pretty good excuse, right? If if a certain team didn't play another team, um, it's like, hey, uh, have you heard about this virus? But like, yeah. Uh, you know, th- does that suggest then? You know, when they say that that they want, they want to be able to say that you know their regular season champ uh, did so in a in a year where everybody played everyone. I mean, does that suggest that they think there's a possibility that the tournament gets called off and they're going to have to re- you know revert back to uh, you know 
crowning a champion based on the regular season. That's kind of what that makes me think or wonder is, does that mean that that's a bigger possibility than we realize of, oh, hey, this this regular season champ could actually – um, mean something that's that's a good point i really hadn't even thought about that a whole lot because uh, just because the mount west even you know again t- even to this point has you know stuck with the current format and has said you know we're playing the conference tournament and related to that too they the conference announced earlier this week that uh, there won't be any fans at the, at the tournament so um but the fact that they continue to say you know this is going to be a going to be played and uh you know we're committed to getting this done and getting all these teams to vegas yeah um it makes me think that you know the conference tournament is still going to go on but you know if if you're planning for every scenario yeah that's a good point i mean uh yeah i hadn't even really thought about that a whole lot so maybe that is uh something that they're you know sort of planning for uh at least uh, an option that, that they have to where you know if they did cancel the conference tournament that Here's our regular season champion that played everybody, and you know, I guess it would maybe give them a, uh, you know, a more a stronger case for, um, you know, that that team to, you know, if they give it that large bid to the regular season champion, it's like okay, well, you know, they really did earn it by playing everybody. Maybe that is sort of their line of thinking. Too. Yeah, and I mean, it could be out of their hands too, right? You know, they may have every intention of playing the tournament in Vegas, but the NCAA could, you know come out in a week and say hey uh we're calling all these conference tournaments um you yep. know I, i'm not saying i think that would happen but maybe they do just want to be prepared i mean i still don't know that i really see the importance of having every team you know have played each other as far as the quote-unquote integrity of it just because like i if if instead of giving uh CSU a game against New Mexico you had given them a different game against a better team and they win it and at the end of the year I mean I'm not saying they're I'm picking the wrong team here but you're like hey this is our champion I'm not going to look at the resume and be like hey wait a minute they played Utah State an extra time and they didn't play New Mexico right. so how how real are they <laughs> you know is, is this really your champion yeah. like that seems like a thing and that works a lot better in the abstract than like actually in practice if you had just kind of juice the games to to be the best games possible i mean i i kind of i don't know at all the inner workings of this but or or what the scenarios were but i i kind of feel like tv had a big role to play with like okay where can we fill all these slots and they probably just didn't want to say hey we're uh playing these games because uh television because that doesn't sound as pretty as the word integrity yeah well you know brandon i don't know about you but i I would tend to think that the team that has like a 15 and 3 conference record is probably better than a team that has a 3 and 14 <laughs> or 4 and 14 conference record uh, even if they happen to uh, beat them one night I would tend to think that the team with the better that big of a discrepancy in record is probably the better team overall that's just me though I mean you got to show me their Ken Palm and their and their net <laughs> rankings how do I know Yeah so uh yeah at least it's like I said it, it adds a little bit of a uh, intrigue to the uh, to the last week of the regular season, again, assuming all these games actually do get played. But um, as far as Wyoming goes, their next game, um, as we mentioned, is scheduled for Thursday at Utah State. That game actually on uh, FS1. So both of their uh, mm-hmm. remaining regular season games will be uh, nationally televised. Um, but, Brandon, we can go ahead and take a break there. And uh, when we come back, we will uh, switch to football and look at – Wallman's roster heading into the spring.
Welcome back into the postcast, and now we're going to talk some football. And Brandon, I I would say this would be a way too early look at Wyoming's uh, roster for the 2021 season, but hell, man, spring football is a little more than a month away at this point, so I guess it's really not that early. But uh, it's interesting because I, I went back and looked at, at and tallied some of these stats, and, and it's kind of crazy, um, you know, just – you know, how much experience Wyoming still has. Because uh, at this point, they're, you know, all those seniors um, that have the option to come back, uh, you know, next season with the NCAA extending all the fall sports athletes' eligibility in response to the uh, to the coronavirus pandemic. Um, you know, most of those guys have, have made their decisions. And, you know, Wyoming's not hardly losing anybody, any significant contributors from last year's team. And, you know, the, those seniors that, that are coming back, um, you know, it's sort of highlighted by, by Garrett Crawl, their, def, their, you know, all everything defensive end, who's their, you know, active leader in, in career sacks and tackles. Um, you know, that, that sort of got the ball rolling on, on some of these others. And then you had guys like, like Trey Smith, the running back, um, you know, was their second leading rusher and, you know, it was really a workhorse for them once Xavier Valley got hurt late in the season. He'll be back. Um, you've got your two starting safeties, Asayas Gandy and Brayden Smith, both returning. Um, you got your two senior offensive linemen, uh, Alonzo Velazquez and Logan Harris. They're returning. Um, really, the I mean, in terms of um, – and then I forgot to mention Aiden Eberhart there, who was their their leading receiver last year. So uh, really, the only guys that are that are they're going to lose as of now. I mean, you know, there's still some. I guess it's still the offseason. There's still time for guys to to make decisions and enter the transfer portal and whatnot. But um, their punter Nick Knoll, he's transferring. Of course, that really wasn't a surprise because he was, a, you know, when he was at Cornell, he was a you know, he handled both punting and, and place kicking duties. And when he got to Wyoming, you know, they, you know, he was just their punter last season. And then, you know, once John Hoyland sort of locked up that place kicking job, um, sort of, I think the writing was sort of on the wall for him. So I think he's going to look for somewhere that, that he can do both. And then um, Dante Crow, uh, the, the Sheridan native, you know, he, he's, he's going to transfer. But, you know, outside of that, I mean, they, there's just not a whole lot to, uh, of these significant contributors that, that Wyoming is losing. And, you know, I, I thought they were, they were going to be experienced and, uh, and deep last year. I mean, going into last season, you know, they had more than 70% of their two deep returning. Um, and then, so this year, I mean, you, you've got, I mean, even more than that. Now I haven't gone back and look exactly at, at the two deep yet, because I think there's still some, I still want to see what some of it looks like, uh, you know, come the spring, particularly on the defensive line, because they had so much shuffling going on there with, with uh, you know, players that had opted out and guys that had gotten injured. Um, so there was a lot of moving parts. So I'm interested to see exactly what the 2D looks like, uh, more particularly on the defensive side of the ball. But, um, you know, this is going to be a, a team that uh, is – I mean, I don't, I don't know – I'd have to go look at everybody else's roster in Mount West, but this has got to be – um, maybe the most experienced uh, season team in the Mountain West heading into heading into 2021 season. Yeah, it's uh, you know that that's a whole lot of names coming back that otherwise wouldn't have. And I mean, uh, you know, they only played the handful of games they did last year, so I certainly uh, am glad the NCAA is doing what they're doing to 
to not count that as a year off everyone's eligibility but it is kind of crazy how like during covid some of the things that in normal pre-pandemic times would have been just like the biggest story of the week kind of just are like minor narratives like you know if Five years ago, the NCAA had been like, hey, uh, everyone gets five years now. So all, all the, you know, incredible seniors, they can come back. Like, that would have been huge. And now it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's a, another weird thing that on top of everything. Um, you know, I, I'm curious. I feel like I've seen here and there, um, you know, whether it's in, in uh, football or other sports, you know, people n- not choosing to take advantage of that extra year of eligibility a little bit more than – um, maybe you would assume, um, and I, I think it speaks a little bit to how we view, you know, these players as, as football players first and foremost, but, you know, a lot of these kids are, their entire lives and, and, uh, plans and everything aren't solely revolving around football, right? You know, they're, they're going to school for Mm -hmm. X number of years. They want to start a career if, if, if the NFL isn't an actual, uh, possibility for them. And, you know, I think that, uh, plays into all that. Um, you know, I, I mean, definitely there are kids who think, Oh, I need one more last shot to prove I can play at the next level. But I'm curious if you've heard right. kind of on a, on a national level, I haven't really looked into it, whether there's been much of a trend of, you know, just, is it uh representative, I guess, for Wyoming to have this many kids choosing to come back, uh, this, this many players taking advantage of that, or is that a little bit high, like percentage wise? Yeah, I, I would. I think it's high percentage wise, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's a, it's a different deal when you're, when you're talking about a school like Wyoming, right? Because you don't usually like. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I don't even know if Wyoming's going to have a pro day this year. Um, I, I'm still trying to work to, to to confirm whether or not that's actually going to happen. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say you know their their top draft prospect, um, you know, might be Xavier Valade, and I, I don't. I don't think they had a, a, a huge number of guys uh, on last year's roster um, that really, ha- you know, are, are going to go high in this year's NFL draft. Now, I think there are guys like Garrett Kroll, um, X, Trey Smith. I, I mean, I think some of these guys could, could end up getting drafted. But I think if they if they decide to come out and, and try this year, I think they probably would have been late round draft picks. So yeah, I think I think that has something to do with it. The fact that um, you know they can come back. And, uh, you know, sort of, you know, go through a full season again and get through that season fully healthy and, you know, ha- have another full season of, of tape to put out there. You know, I think they think they can probably elevate their, their draft stock too. But also I think, I think some of it too is just, you know, some of these guys probably don't plan on continuing mm-hmm. to, to play at the next level when they're done. So, and a lot of these guys are working on master's degrees and second master's degrees. Right. Uh, so a lot of these guys, I think they're, they're, they're so far into it now. It's like, well, I might as well just go ahead and finish it up uh, in, in terms of mm-hmm. their academics. So I, I think that's, I think it's sort of twofold with, with Wyoming. Now, as far as, um, you know, other programs around the country. I, I mean, I haven't like kept that close of, of tabs on it, but I don't think there are nearly as many um, seniors that are that are coming back to the some of the Power Five programs, uh, for example. Yeah. That, um, because I mean, it's just, it's just a different dynamic. So, um, but it, but it's interesting looking at you know w- when you talk about all these players that are coming back, and again, this is as of now, as of Thursday afternoon, the time we're, we're recording this. Um, you know, that's not to say maybe some of these guys may not that haven't made decisions or some underclassmen may not choose to transfer later. But I mean, we're like I said, we're we're a month from spring practice. You would think guys, if they're going to leave, they would have already made that decision by now. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
you know, looking at, at what they have returning as of now, what's coming back is a hundred, all of their rushing yards, a hundred percent of them. Everybody that had a rushing yard for Wyoming last season is, is slated to come back. 89% of their receptions, 92% of their receiving yards, all five offensive linemen starters are returning. They have, in terms of their, they're too deep in the offensive line, more than 140 combined career starts. And then when you look on the defensive side of the ball, as of now, they have every starter slated to return, and they're returning more than 94% of their tackles from last season. And by the way, that doesn't include the players that that are returning that opted out last season. And a handful of those guys were were going to be starters last year. When you talk about Solomon Bird, uh, Rome Weber, you know, who started all but one game at safety right. as a as a redshirt freshman back in 2019, Mario Mora there at defensive tackle who was a regular starter in 2019. I mean that. That's a lot of production that, that you have coming back, obviously, on both sides of the ball. And, you know, it's as much hype as Wyoming was getting last year as a team that that should contend for the Mountain West, you look at this roster this year and the amount of production they have coming back, you know, if they can stay healthy at the quarterback position and, and they can get Sean Chambers through a, a full season, you know, I think it just – sort of raises the bar on the on the expectations uh, for this team going into next year. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really interesting point you brought up too about, you know, Power 5 versus Group of 5. Obviously, the percentage of Power 5 upperclassmen who are going to go pro is higher. I wonder if, you know, if we, assuming we have non-conference games next year, if there will be, yeah. you know, a few more upsets of, you know, uh, G5 teams beating P5 teams because they've got that level of experience that maybe the um, SEC team doesn't, benefit from um yeah i think it, i think you, you hit the nail on the head you know it, it it still comes down to the quarterback and like the ability for the passing game to take a step forward like we've talked about but the parts that have worked over the last few years should only continue to work when you've got that much experience coming back at at running back at offensive line and and on defense you know th- those things should still be things that you can rely on and and here and there you know should still win you a good number of games, even if the passing game does uh, continue to to uh, founder. But I mean, y- if you can add that <laughs> component on top, I think you're right that this is a very intriguing team as far as the the conference goes. I mean, you know, again, the they're they are playing in the Mountain West, so similar similar uh, situation for everyone else in the conference too. You know, maybe outside of Boise, yeah. you don't probably have ten NFL prospects on each team, but so they're going to have have experience too, but. Um, you know, there, there's a lot to build on there. Um, and yeah, I kind of, I don't know a ton about, you know, uh, Valaday or, or Smith's NFL prospects, but you know, it's, it's funny that those are two of the guys you bring up because the, um, the running back position is so different from every other position when you're deciding whether or not to go pro just when it comes to how quickly the mileage can, uh, can wear on you. And I mean, you know, Brian Smith went or Brian Smith, Brian Hill went out, um, you know, after his junior year. And I think some fans were like, Oh, why don't you come back? And it's like, you know, Hey, he only got drafted in the fifth round or whatever, which is maybe what lower than uh, some people had expected. But you know, that's when you're running back every year that you can get paid versus the years that you play for free are valuable years. Cause you've only got that limited shelf life at that position. And, you know, look at, he's, you know, backing up Todd Gurley. Now look at, you know, Gurley as an yeah. example, somebody who was, the best player in the league and then falls off a cliff two years in so uh or a few years in so yeah it it's it's intriguing to see um running backs make that choice too i mean it's it's an, an either 
tough and an even tougher call for them, I would imagine. Yeah, and I think Trey Smith was maybe the the biggest surprise of the of the seniors that chose to come back. I mean, I wasn't mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily shocked to see any of the guys who decided to come back actually come back. But mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you're talking about a guy that's fixing to enter his seventh year in college as a running back. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side of that, he's never been the featured back. He's always, you know, Louisville, uh, I think he got like 60, 70 combined carries in his four years there. And then he mm-hmm. comes to Wyoming and his first, you know, four games into his UW career, he goes down with a, with a leg injury and misses the rest of that 2019 season. And then, um, you know, last year he was, you know, he was X's backup until X got hurt late in the year. And, you know, I think you know, he had a hundred and, more than 140 yards in each of the two games that he started. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic, particularly when, um, you know, you're not going to necessarily be the guy with X back. You're still going to be splitting carries, but, you know, maybe he can, you know, he's had one season where the cut short because of injury. He had another season cut short because of, of COVID, you know, maybe, you you know, come back and sort of form this really good one, two punch with him and, and stay healthy for a full 12, 13, 14 game season. However many they end up playing, you know, they may, he thinks that, that that's enough to, to, to get him some real looks at the next level. And not to, not to mention, he also has the name, right? Jimmy Smith. Yeah, his, his dad, that certainly doesn't hurt. When you're in the seventh round, sometimes you're like, hey, that's uh, Jimmy Smith's kid. Um, yeah. Is uh, Mark Brunell's son hanging around? But, like, yeah, I wonder if uh, – <laughs> Oh, he's also, from, he's also from Mississippi like me, so. Oh, there I, you go. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just think this also plays pretty well into – um, the kind of program that Craig Bull wants to build, and you know, they from the start have uh, erred on the side of bringing in freshmen as opposed to getting a bunch of you know JUCO transfers early on, and you know they they want to just kind of stack up this you know deep roster of guys who build up experience over the years, and this is just another extra year on top of that. So you know, I, I, not to say that it doesn't help a program where they're bringing back, you know, an all-conference receiver or whatever that they otherwise wouldn't have. But, um, you know, I think this builds in the kind of their approach to to building a depth chart. And, you know, when you've got guys like, like Smith, like you were saying, come back and choose to come back for a seventh year of college or, you know, even just in general this um, this big of a percentage of guys coming back, that speaks well to your program, right? They, they don't yeah. hate playing for Wyoming. They're willing to, you know, maybe even if they are never going to play a pro down and, um, you know, they're willing to, to put their body through it for another year. Or, you know, you, you've also always, you're going to have guys who love football so much, you, you would never turn down an extra year or an extra year of free schooling or whatever. But, um, you know, it, it, it's a good sign that you don't have guys, uh, being like, ah, no, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, uh, I think, I think Trey Smith sort of becoming a fan favorite, uh, at Wyoming, um, not only just because of his, you know, obviously him, him being willing to come back for yet another season. But, you know, every one of the main reasons he's talked about coming back is is the loss to CSU last year. You know, he's said multiple times and even told me, like, when I was talking to him about his decision to come back, he was like, you know, we, we want to get that boot back. So, mm. um, you know, certain appealing himself to uh, to the fan base, and I think that's a – that's a big part of uh, of why this this fan base really likes Trey Smith so much, despite the fact that he hasn't played a, a ton of games at Wyoming. You know, so mm-hmm. um, that's interesting. But I, I, also, I like the fact that they're they're going to again if, if the way it sits right now, you know, with with all five starters set to come back from last season, this is going to be the second straight year 
that Wyoming returns its entire offensive line intact. Like that's that's almost unheard of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean they they should be able to run the ball, I would think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that has never been the issue at Wyoming, at least under Craig <laughs> Bowl, uh, for the most part. Um yeah, we'll we'll sort of preview spring football a little bit more as as it gets closer again we 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 don't still don't have official dates but supposed to start sometime um in early to mid april um so obviously once those once we find those out and the school announces those we'll uh we'll report that information Mm -hmm. but um brandon i think we can uh we can go ahead and wrap it up there any uh any parting shots before we get out of here uh yeah not not much i guess i guess i am just really really quick kind of curious have you had much chance you know how has media availability been have you had a chance to talk to many of these kids who are you know choosing to come back for that extra year um i mean what's you most of them you know make their announcements on on social media and uh you know somehow i'll I'll reach out to them um you know just uh you know if if i'm trying to get something confirmed or you know talk to them a little bit more you know i'll do that but yeah we always have the option to to uh you know ask Wyoming um to make them available for for interviews but mm-hmm. I don't I don't know I mean as soon as they put it out on on social media or uh you know the, or the school announces it um I don't know I try not to to, to bother them too much yeah. but yeah I mean it's been uh, yeah I mean if we really wanted to talk to them it's, it's been no problem to uh to get access from UW for that Gotcha. Yeah, I guess I was just kind of so. trying to put myself in those sh- their shoes. I-, I wonder if another factor is like, you know, it's not that enticing to like go out into the real world right now and like, hey man, you want to yeah. go work remotely from your parents' bedroom and apply for jobs during a recession? You know, it's like, eh, maybe I'll play football another year. I wonder how much that plays <laughs> yeah. into things. So, yeah, it's a good point. Um, cool, um, man. Well, yeah, as long as we're not uh, talking Missouri basketball, I'm good to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, Brandon. Well, you know, that was exactly what I was about to bring up next. Oh, so. man. <laughs> <laughs> falling oh, off the face it, of the earth. Yeah, they're falling off a cliff fast. Um, all right, well. Um, <laughs> we'll save that for the yeah. Mizzou podcast that we don't release to anyone except my mom. Yeah. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll save that for our uh, NCAA tournament preview. There you go. The, I hope they're still uh, in it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, th- I think they're safe to get in. But uh, well, by, the, by that time, they may be a double-digit seed. <laughs> um, all right. Well, um, as always, uh, stay locked into Trib.com and PokesAuthority.com for all of our coverage. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at PokesAuthority. You can follow me on Twitter at Davis E. Potter. You can follow Brandon on Twitter at Foster 91 This podcast is on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Spotify and Omni so uh, be sure to uh, download it subscribe give us that five star rating um, appreciate all of you for listening and Brandon appreciate you for joining us we'll talk to you again next week alright we'll see you then